This is Big Man Tyrone, and you're about to watch the MTG Cabal cast with your hosts, Wood, Thirsty, and Reptar. Sub to us on all your podcast networks at MTG Cabal Cast and YouTube. Well, hey guys, didn't see you there. Just like nobody saw the idiocy that Watsi had coming today, which is going to be the subject of our newest episode. Thanks for watching the Cabal Cast yet again. We are going to cover. I don't know why some dude thought it was a good idea to never have scheduled band announcements ever again in the history of Magic, uh, which will probably change in a month or who knows, whenever. Uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much it, and then we're going to get into picks. Yeah. Uh, I do want to let you guys know we did have a different episode planned for uh, this week, but between uh, me being a little sick like you can hear and then some schedule co- schedule conflicts, we're going to be pushing it off to next week. It's going to be a multi-part episode like we did last year uh, with a friend of the Cabalcast who has gone from player to uh, industry veteran back to individual vendor with her own company. And so we look forward to doing that next week. Yeah. Sorry about that. Um, this week, uh, we we weren't sure what we were going to do, and then we were handed this gift. Uh, so, for those that don't know, Watsi announced today uh, in their ban and restricted announcement that there will be no more planned banned and restrictions. Except for Pioneer, which had its own Monday banning, and I believe Pioneer might still follow the Monday banning for the foreseeable future until that yeah. format settles in. And I think Historic might be on its own uh, timetable. Yeah, they well. said in that last announcement or whatever, like, ah, we don't really, we'll do it whenever. Yeah, exactly. Like, we'll do the suspension, I guess? Yeah, fluffier word for banning, sure. Yeah. It's the same thing. You read the announcement and nobody knows why they didn't use, why they chose different wording. And in all honesty, it's just more, it's business parlance. You choose the color blue because it's cooling and it makes people feel easier uh, when dealing yep. with you. Uh you know, suspension is a lot easier than hearing banning. When a player gets suspended yeah. from the sport, they're coming back. When they get banned, goodbye. Their merchandise yeah. is now worth zero. Right? Yeah, exactly. So th- there's that. Rip Josh Gordon, who just got suspended indefinitely again. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> what's his face? Uh, not uh, David Ortiz, the other ding-dong for the Red Sox that had to go to oh. Japan. Yeah. Uh, went to yeah. Tampa Bay and then Japan. Uh, that was but, also very good. But this is kind of interesting because this puts it more in line with other esports and the way they do things in a purely digital, purely digital product, because you can yeah. ban whatever you need and uh, you can look at Arena like that because they took Nexus out of best of one off cycle. Yeah, they were just like, "Hey, we're going to no. do this," and like nobody was really mad about it at the time. No. It was just expected because like you're on a digital medium, mm-hmm. and that's kind of just how it works. And everyone was just like, "Yeah, sure, that's fine." Yeah. One of the, the big kind of fallouts from this is that Watsi well, already does have parlance in place for a non-timed ban. Yeah. That's an emergency ban. So now all bans are emergency bans. Yep. Which feels a little Don't, bad for the players. It does. I think, and, you know, I am going to hate myself for saying this, uh, at least they hopefully won't erase Pro Tour results like they did last time, like mm. the only time they ever did yeah, yeah. an emergency ban. I mean, I would assume not, because we haven't had a standard Pro Tour, so there's nothing to erase just yet. Yeah, true. But that, that creates a little bit of a, a bad feeling for, for players coming up over the next couple of months if there's anything to be banned, you know, left in standard or modern heading into uh, Q1 and Q2 2020. 
Yeah. Whereby, just out of the blue, maybe a month or two before a large event, cards will get banned from their decks. And that is exactly what they plan to be doing with this. Uh, we liked to harp on the timing of Eternal Weekend and uh, the Grand Prix in Italy, where they waited yeah. too long with Vintage because of Eternal Weekend, but they cut it too close to that Legacy uh, Magic Fest, whereby yeah. the people left Vintage because Watsi didn't do anything, and people got hoisted prior to the uh, the GP in Italy because Ren and Six got banned two weeks before. So yeah. now everybody when was playing... Were... Yeah, Rock Delver had to figure out what to do with those four slots in a format that had effectively, quote-unquote, been solved. Yeah. yeah, especially because now, you know, the existence of Brendan Six had pushed multiple archetypes out of relevance. Yes, exactly. So you now have your worst matchups that are back again, and uh -huh. uh, what do I do now? Yep, yep. Okay, that's the answer. Okay. Yeah, it was uh, Soltai Delver, you know, picked up. And so it is uh, a bit of a, a feel-bad there. And you never know what's going to happen, so that puts kind of this kind of fear in your player base. So I'm kind of interested to see what happens as we move uh, coming out of Mythic Championships in paper. I don't know if arena yeah. stuff's really going to matter that much because you have the, those infinite leagues that lead into it, right? Yeah, I I think it, it'll be interesting. I think I don't trust Wizards to have like a proper amount of judiciousness in this. I think that it's going to be from either letting stuff go too long or doing it too close. I would mm -hmm. like to think that they'll be mindful of events, but, I mean, their their announcement, uh, you know, they literally said, we've also learned that, yes, some players may be affected by having their planned deck or change no longer working shortly before an event, but we found another consideration to be more impactful. The most likely result of an unbalanced or unfun format is that players simply don't play. Yep. I... I mean, there were 346 people in the main event of Oklahoma City this weekend, uh, where I was. It was the first top 64 in Magic history that didn't all day two. Yep. 62 people on day two meant that two people who didn't make day two made $300 for showing up. Yeah. This is also the first Magic Fest, and I noted this in uh, Discord, that the tournament organizer was fairly open with the numbers when questioned. Yeah, I was amazed when they replied to the tweet and said, you know, 346, actually. Yep. Uh, uh, before they got back to us, somebody had actually put together a fairly nice running thread of what the room looked like in terms of overall capacity on the MTG Finance subreddit. I'm pretty sure it's fallen onto the second or third page. And yeah. uh, you get a pretty good idea of what the flow of the room looked like and where people were during... Uh, the event in terms of the, the command fest tables which seemed to ebb and flow over the weekend as yeah well as we were events. right by the command zone and uh it it was there were times where there were you know it'd be the middle of the day and there'd be 20 people there and yeah. it, it seemed like it was just people that were like all right well i'm gonna go grab lunch and they left and came back yeah but i uh spoke with some channel staff and unique entrance counting command zone was still sub 700 mm -hmm. which awful no it's it's really weird and really bad for the time we're in like yeah this was a sealed gp uh no this was standard standard oh thrilling okay yeah yeah i'm Hooray. yeah i'm i'm not too excited for uh, the magic fest in 2020 that are 
uh, limited until Theros. And even after then, people still might be sour on uh, limited Magic Fest. Because for whatever reason, it seems like we've just seen declining attendance across the board. Discounting the, the lax numbers in Detroit for what was just a bad corset overall. No matter... I think we both agreed coming out of Detroit that no matter where that event was put, it was basically doomed to fail unless it was a destination Magic Fest. Yeah. So. I And I think that that's, you know, unfortunately going to be kind of where it's going from now on, uh, which it, it was kind of weird. Some of the cities I that they picked uh, for GPs when the list first came out, I was like, well, Reno's a non-inclusion. And then you realize you can do pretty much anything in Reno. Yeah. Uh, I, it's it, like sex work is legal there, not in Vegas. Not that that would, you know, impact anything, but... Maybe. That's the type of place that you wouldn't think is really a destination, but now now is. Yeah, Vegas has kind of been the place to go, and they've been doing it for so long that it's kind of old hat. Yeah. And I, 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 you know, and we, I, we said it, and I'm pretty sure it's because we also heard other people say it, where you can't just keep doing Vegas after year after year. It loses the, the luster, right? Yeah, it loses its luster, and it becomes more about using magic as an excuse to get up there. Uh, and then you just don't actually do anything with magic. You just go gamble or whatever the whole time, which is fine. Yeah. So. But, like, I, I would worry about the attendance of Jersey, uh, which is January 24th, which I believe is directly after Theros. The reason I actually worry about Sealed Magic Fest attendance is because sometimes it's a, it's a little harder to get people interested in Sealed Deck than it is a Constructed, and more people have good feelings about Draft than they do compared to Sealed Deck. Yeah. I can't remember what it was, but somewhere in the last three sets, discounting core, there was a really good draft set, but it was miserable sealed. Mm-hmm. So it was just low low turnout across the board for those. And I, I love sealed formats, so I never understand that, but whatever. I'm not the, the populist. It's not for me. But the topic, uh, back to the topic. Yes, yeah, like the, the, the judiciousness of uh, Watsy handling these the, the formats uh, administration is something that I actually worry about a little more than I think a lot a lot of people might because if they move too fast people are going to fall out Yeah, and now that makes it really hard to bring people back and, and keep them interested because they've just been banning cards for the last two to three years yeah. fairly willy nilly however they want to doesn't matter Yeah, well not really willy nilly because you printed awful overpowered cards I look for it for uh, Rampaging Ferocidon was not horrifically overpowered because whatever deck they thought it would exist did not. Yeah. But they have banned cards that they nece- they didn't necessarily need to. They could have taken other action and they haven't banned cards fast enough. And I worry about that because analytically they've just missed. Well, and it's... I think the interesting thing to me is when you take a look at, you know, the Renan 6 banning, right? So on Moto... The format had kind of, I mean, not been solved in the way that paper was, uh, but it was basically, the meta had adjusted. It had adapted to the presence of Oko. Yeah. Uh, and that's because on Moto, you have a service like Mana Traders, where you can borrow an entire legacy deck. Mm-hmm. And the paper meta moves at a snail's pace, because you're not going to be like, oh, well, this card came out. I guess I'm just going to buy traps and yeah. bolts if I don't already have them. And just build the deck. Yeah, we, we keep so. saying Legacy is a format that's basically gate-kept by duels and other uh, pillars, like expensive pillars of the format. So you don't have people swapping from deck to deck like you're talking yeah. about. And, and a lot uh, of people are privileged enough. 
I, I think that's going to be the most interesting thing is these formats that are like gate kept by stuff like that and how they use moto data as opposed to like paper data yeah. and how that impacts these emergency bands. But yeah, we'll see. Yeah. So I worry about it in both directions and uh, from the, from an analytical standpoint, we've watched them just miss and miss and miss and be slow. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen them be too fast with a banning. I think they've only ever been too slow. No, and honestly, the the memory jar banning was probably like even as an emergency banning, uh, it was fine timing wise. They could have done it a little bit earlier, sure, but that was a totally different game back then. Yeah. Uh, so you didn't have the you know immediate dispensation of information, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they've they've made like immediate errata changes at like an event finish. They realized something was absolutely broken. It was like Tinder Wall or something where there existed this yeah. weird space in between turns where you could float mono and continue on to your turn. And yeah, you could like infinitely sack out of the up. in between turns phase. Yeah, or like they literally patched a hole in the game. Yeah, after an event. Like, that, that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's not too fast. I think that's just that's right on time. You know, they recognized the problem. They made a, a change as quickly yeah, as they, they made felt the change. Was, yeah, yeah. I just feel like this is the kind of thing where just it's only going to be too slow. Because if yeah. they move too fast, then we kind of move on to the last point we wanted to make here, which is just. Or one of the last ones, that players are looking towards bannings as answers to problems that are solvable. Yeah, because we've had um, over fifteen cards banned in the last two years. And standard yeah. alone, I think. I'll have to look this up. But and it, I was talking about it this weekend that it seems like after, and it's it's hard to pinpoint the exact moment where it happened, but I feel like with top. There were so many people complaining loudly for the banning of Top and Legacy that they were finally like, all right, Top's banned. Yeah. And when that happened and people felt like, oh, if we complain loud enough, they'll just have to listen. Yeah. All of a sudden it became about, you know, all right, well, let's complain loudly enough. I mean, how how long was Death Shadow, oh, we need to ban Death Shadow and Mob? Yeah. And then eventually. Like a year and it just wouldn't change. And then that after that, it you know, whatever the next boogeyman was, and mm. now we've got, oh well we should we should ban uh Faithless Looting, we should ban Ancient Stirrings, we should ban Mopal, and who knows if it's gonna if that's gonna happen. Yeah. Clamoring for bannings is a dangerous game. And when you look back at older formats, I'm glad you mentioned Death Shadow, because this is a really good statement to make. Death Shadow was a deck that when it rose to prominence was comprised of cards that had been in the format for over two years at a minimum. Yep. Why was this deck dis not discovered until it started taking over? Obviously it was not a problem with card power. Something yeah. had changed in the format that led it to rise to prominence. We're not talking about Birthing Pod that gets better with every creature they print. We're yep. not talking about Splinter Twin that got Bounding Crisis eventually and became Teamer Twin. And now had twelve different p uh, combo pieces. Yeah, it's so, it's it's similar to Phoenix when they said all of a sudden looting needs to be banned. Mm -hmm. Looting wasn't the problem. Looting existed in the format. It had been there for years. This new card, Phoenix, was the reason that all of a sudden this deck became busted. Yep. So why do we need looting banned then? Because. 
looting like bridge, uh, what what are the term they use for it? Basically, shrunk design space. Yeah, those are the reasons they they, they look at it. Uh, basically, a card is uh, pervasive. A card shrinks design space, or the only way to beat a card is to play a card. I.e., every deck that can uh, play the card is, or every deck that is of a certain color starts with that card. Wild the yeah. Death Right Shaman, kind of stuff. Yeah. Looking back from 2017 up until now, we've had 10 cards, uh, or more than 10 cards banned in Sano, did the count. But it starts yeah. with Emrakul, Smuggler's Copter, and Reflector Mage in January of 2017. Okay. That's yeah. absurd. Uh, yeah, correct. And it moves on from there. But they're all, aside from Reflector Mage, I guess two thirds of them are push cards. It's a yeah. brand new mechanic on Emrakul. Brand new mechanic on Smuggler's Copter, and then a super value creature that was good in the format, but I don't actually know if it needed to be banned. That was more just that is a good example of Wazi listening to players a little too much. Yeah. Right. But since then, bannings have been the answer to the problem. Yeah. I I, I would like to discount Felidar Guardian from this because I agree. Wazi that, didn't. That even. legitimately. <coughs> you have, you fucked up, A. Aaron. Yeah. Had yeah. Watsy noticed their own standard combo, they probably would have pulled that card to begin with. Yeah, you know, for that, sure. So, we discount that. Yeah. But we're looking at a bunch of cards, aside from Rampaging for Asadon, banned for reasons we still don't know, that were just too pushed for their own good. Yeah. And represent new mechanics, and that's generally what happens. When it comes yeah. to this, but some of these were eminently beatable for a while. Yeah, or, very much so. Or players just were too slow to to want to adapt. Yeah. And I think that's what happens with something like Modern. You know, Hogak was beatable. Not a lot of people wanted to. There yeah. were There were a handful of decks out there that could beat it reliably, but it required an entire format shift. And at that point in time, you're talking about a bunch of players who had already invested a bunch of money in a format that would have to then give up their 75 for a brand new set. And now you look at yeah. player and uh, enfranchisement. Right, these players are enfranchised. They have their decks. They're playing their format. They like it. So what do you do? Do you yeah. gut all the existing players that have been playing their decks forever, or do you just gut the new players on Hogak? And that yeah. was the easier call. But they were also too slow. They wouldn't have yeah. had to brand Bridge if they banned Hogak. No, Thursday. they should have just done that to start with. Looking Absolutely. at you, Urza. Looking at you. Yeah, I think that card's going to go at some point. Yeah. No. Uh, who knows when though? Because it it could be Monday. <laughs> it's true. That's true. I, I guess they did say they were going to wait. They expect their next one to be in January. Uh, and after that, uh, who knows? Yeah, I mean, the game is effectively on hiatus until the beginning of January when the people start waking back up. Theros comes out in like two weeks into the new year, three weeks into the new year, and then everybody will enjoy the game a little more. Yeah. But financially, what's interesting here is that this has ramifications on a number of uh, folds and uh, layers of finance. One of them being uh, pre-orders, like ordering the most objectively powerful card in the set. Yeah. You know, did Bitter Blossom need to be banned in that standard? Maybe. And if the BNR moved the way it does now, then those people that bought in on infinite copies of Bitter Blossom when they were under under ten dollars a piece might have gotten hoisted because yeah. this card was objectively too powerful for that standard format for right then. Yeah. Same thing with Oka. Eventually, that card went, and anybody who was sitting on them, they did. They floated they along. 
Yeah, they float along for long enough. It's still in modern cell legacy. It's in vintage, right? The card's still going to be worth 45 plus for a little while longer after today's announcement of Cunningham Pioneer. Yeah. But now that they can move faster and at their own pace, does this worsen money to be made off pre-orders by just dumping into the most objectively powerful cards for yeah. standard modern legacy vintage, etc.? Right? That is something we haven't seen yet. It's going to yeah. take probably all of 2020 to figure that one out. Not every set is going to have an Oko, a Smuggler's Copter, an Emrakul in it, Skullgwipe. Yeah. You know, they're not... Not every set's going to have these. So it's going to take a little while. The other one that a lot of people don't want to admit about is the Unbanned Finance. Yeah. Whenever... That's going to be pretty <coughs> rough because, like, I, I remember every... BNR for a long time, probably two, three years now. Uh, Stoneforge went up. Splinter Twin went up. The Political Prisoner, you'll be free one day. Uh, all these cards that people expected eventually, like Jace, yep. it, they would go up because people would buy into them thinking they're going to get unbanned. And now there's none of that. So if you think it's ever going to happen, now is, you know, when's the best time to plant a tree? Six months ago. Second best is now. Yep. So you've got to do one or the other. Yeah. If you believe anything's coming back, you better move in and get your copies when you think they're at yeah. the lowest. Hand stuff, yeah. And it, it's a little interesting, mainly because I've never worked with anybody who's done a lot of unbanned finance. I mean, obviously, there are people like, well, do I just get rid of these? Yeah, obviously. Just yeah, get rid sure. of them if you have them. You know, and you know you're never going to play them. Yeah, out them. But buying in a week before... A BNR announcement in paper on Moto just to out to people who believe in it, and no longer exists as an avenue. So it's going to be yeah. there's not going to be a lot of cyclical change in cards. Um, Splinter, uh, Splinter Twin, uh, Stoneforge Mystics floor began to rise over time as people bought in to the unbanned hype and then eventually sold out, yeah. and not by a lot, but a little over little, it just artificially rose the floor on that card for years, mainly stemming from. Years ago, the first time that the unban leaked on Moto. Yeah. There was the Moto beta client that went up and had an, yeah. uh, a truthful unban in it oh, for Moto. That was so bad. Yeah. So after that, the unban cycle got a little heavier to operate in within finance. Yeah. Personally, I think if that, if that avenue in finance goes, it goes. Because I think that you're just taking advantage of people. Yep. <laughs> uh, the... You know, with uh, with all the calls about insider training and insider information, market manipulation, anybody who <clears throat> would, you know, up up the card value, heading into unbanned, preying on somebody to buy in ahead of time, yeah, is looking for that. They're looking for that sucker who just thinks Doesn't that obviously the price went up. Yeah. yeah, obviously the price went up. Somebody knows somewhere this information got leaked out. Yeah, I think that's predatory finance. So, yeah, which is bad. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm I'm glad that that avenue goes. Yeah, but I'm kind of upset about pre-orders. Yeah, that one's going to be interesting, I think. Um, but I I think it'll you know the the biggest thing besides how judicious they are is I just want them to smooth out timing. But you know I don't trust them to do that that at all. So no, I would assume. If we're going to see these happen with any regular any regularity, it should be on a Tuesday or a Wednesday. That gives them 
enough time from the weekend to take in all the deck, uh, like the hand typed deck lists. Yeah, sure. melt to them deck lists from Magic Fests. That gives them all the time to pull in the information from Moto or from Arena, whatever they need, and then yeah. a few days to digest it. And enough time yeah. so that players heading to an FNM can adjust. That's yeah. what I would think. I don't think there's... I mean, unless you're literally looking at a 32 of 32 top 8 for the second week in a row, there's no reason at like 11.59pm EST on Sunday to just be like, this card gone, you know? Yeah, like, see you later, bye. Yeah. It's, you know, whatever. Um, and even then, you know, hopefully they'll wait until sometime during the day the next day and not 5 p.m. Eastern or whatever it is. Yeah. They'll be a little friendlier with their 11 a.m. announcement. Yeah. No, but, that, was, that was kind. Yeah. This is one of those things where, you know, we operate in a certain avenue. So anybody who's been thinking about, who thinks about this in a box that is outside of ours or in a way that this implement or impacts their ability to do financing, you know, please reach out to us and let us know because this is definitely something that has very widespread ramifications and we're never going to be able to touch on them all right now and we're not going to know a number of them for years. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, it'll be a developing <clears throat> process because this is a huge change. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, this is yet more completely uncharted territory yeah. uh, that we just don't know. Yeah. Uh, that third thing, we're ready to head into picks and hopefully button up this episode. Yep. Do you want to go first? Yeah. So uh, my pick, uh, which is trending a little bit... It's trending up quicker than I had anticipated. Um, Leyline of the Void. So I posted on Sick Deals Friday, I think, hey, I'm buying Leyline of the Void at $4, looking for 40 uh, within 20 minutes, I had all 40 on the way. Uh, Theros is a graveyard-themed set, so it seems like it's going to be a relevant piece of sideboard hate, because if there's one thing you can trust wizards to do, it's print cards like Hogak and not realize that abusing the graveyard is busted, despite 25 years of magic history telling us otherwise. <clears throat> yep. So, if you can pick this up, I mean... TCG low this weekend was below Miniature Market's buy list. Uh, the hot list number in the room was $7, and I anticipate that it'll be better. I mean... It's two free devotion. Every ley line that is still legal and standard, I think they all are, are two free devotion. Yeah, they all will be. Will be be two free devotion, and this one has utility upside because you've, you've got an abusable point that you can use. Like, this is a synergy that works. We know it works. And we can see clearly that this is going to be a Graveyard Matters set. So, obviously, use it. Yeah. What were they selling for this summer? They were like 20-plus from M20, weren't they? Yeah. And now they're down to like six. Yeah. So, you know, and this 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 card, I think it's safe to say, is probably not getting banned because this is a hate card. Hate yeah. cards don't get banned. Correct. Uh, this... No matter what, if you play older formats, if you don't own this anyway, you should. I mean, yep. uh, this uh, Yixla Jailer, which we've talked about, rest in peace, Tormod's Crypt, anything that can interact with the graveyard like that, Fairy Macabre, just own your copies of just in case. Always, yeah. always, always. And if you don't, this is the most opportune time to buy them. Regardless of whether or not you're specking on them, uh, I pulled up the stocks graph for everybody. This card's basically been flat since the end of October, you know, coinciding with the bannings 
You yeah. have a whole guy can faithless winning in modern, which which effectively ended this card's career. Yeah. <clears throat> I think it, it, it's a good cheap pickup. Yeah. And it's interesting. Uh, I was selling a handful of stuff to uh, CK last week, and I wanted to hit a buy list threshold. And I was going through, and I pulled my ley lines from Core Twenty. And I was like, Ah, maybe I should get rid of these. There's no way. It's too free devotion. There's no way. Yeah. No way. <clears throat> it's just not worth getting rid of. No. And they'll hold. But if you can pick them up from people who do think it's worth getting rid of, do it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my card's a little more innocuous. Um, I'm going with Elder Deep Fiend. Yeah. This is uh, a card that I didn't believe in when it was in Standard, uh, because it was in a really wonky Standard with Collected Company and Reflected Me. Yeah. And this is a huge two-for-one on your end. If you Deep Fiend into my Reflector Mage. Good yeah. on you, buddy. But <clears throat> what I didn't realize... When, until I was cruising through Pioneer, was that this is actually putting up results. Yeah. There have been a lot of blue-red is it decks, and it um blue-red aggro on MTG top eight right now is a little bit of a conflation of the Insol decks and uh, just aggro decks in which yeah. Elder Defiend is a part of. But it basically rose from bulk to uh, two dollars recently. And the stock graphs that I just pulled up and you can take a look for yourselves if you want. Uh, average and market have actually uh, begun to uh, cross as of last week when I made the pick. Yeah. This is a card that's at $2 now. If this deck actually uh, has legs or fins, whatever the hell goes in this deck. Fins, probably. Yeah, this is another yeah. uh, 5 ish dollar rare, which is what I think it was when it was in standard. Yep. Actually, yeah. 5 and then it tanked to when it rotated to where it is now. And it dropped down. Yeah. As long as that deck sticks around, that deck sticks around as a, a I don't want to say primary aggro deck, it's kind of like an aggro tempo deck. Yeah. This is the madness mechanic a little bit. As long as it sticks around in the format, this should be somewhere between three and five dollars, and it's probably a safe pickup at, at two and change. It oh, really sure. isn't. It really isn't uh, an EDH card, but the emerge mechanic is fairly easily exploitable. Yeah. And if this isn't powerful enough now, this is another creature that plays off of other creatures. Yeah. Like this is why Barthing Pod got banned because the Watsi keeps printing creatures. Yeah, and it's the type of thing that not only is, does it involve printing creatures, but they're bad with enters and leaves the battlefield effects, which this abuses. Exactly. Um, I don't. Not all the emerge cards are great. Case in point, Wretched Griff is in this deck, which was in the uh, in the deck originally in standard, but distended yeah. Mindbender, the black version of the emerge card, nowhere to be found. The card has card never is really done anything. No. Uh, and uh, destroy your provinces, the pig. Yeah, like of the th the three creator of Behemoth, technically the worst. Sure, but it does see play in EDH because it's yet another creator of Behemoth, right? It's just redundancy in that slot. Yeah, so it's like literally, Descent of Mindbender is the only uh, one that's unplayable. Otherwise, these all are fairly quote unquote abusable in one fashion or another. And this is a card I believe in for the next probably six months to a year before it really gets a foothold. With the banning of Oko and Nexus, this might actually work out a little bit better in its favor because your your five six just doesn't get trucked by Oko. Yeah, you'll get more than one attack with this, or your Wretched Griff uh, won't get trucked by Oko. So this yeah. definitely has the well, Oko got up. banned, so yeah. you don't have to worry about it now. Exactly, uh, with like two of the most egregious offenders of, uh, or two most egregious examples of cards that push down aggro, getting banned from this format. You can now see the rise of actual aggressive decks, the mono red decks, the blue red decks, you know, even mono yeah. black or the insult decks pick up. Right? And this is going to be a card that rises up with them. Yeah. 
and things. The solid picket bulk it should be pretty easy to find in binders. Who keeps this card? Nobody. Yeah, I did nobody. I, it's it's a card that people don't even know is worth two dollars. It's <clears> one of those cards that was just so generically bulk forever that people just forgot. You know. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I think it's just an eminently good card, and we're definitely going to see it over the next couple of months. Yeah. And I hope you get your copy soon, because it should be an easy double up. For sure. Uh, with that thought, I think we're going to head out for this week. Uh, like I said, we'll be back for the, ne uh, the next two weeks with uh, a guest host of ours to do a little bit of a Q&A. Yeah. And see what it's like running a uh, business of one. Yeah. But, how different it is. Yeah. Uh, compared to what everybody else does in the market and you know how it's different, especially how it's different than a, uh, a backpacker or a grinder, which I think is yeah. also a really important topic to touch on. But with that, <clears throat> we are at MTG Cabalcast on Twitter and Patreon. I am at Halt. I am Reptar. I am at Thirsty Sizzler. Uh, I do real quick want to recognize one listener who came by this weekend and played Flip It or Rip It. You ever come to another one, the next pack's on me. Appreciate it. Thanks. And we'll see you guys next week. See ya.